0: Jake Steiner reversing myopia completely without surgery have the mindset of a subscription not a prescription this is episode 120 on alternative health tools podcast where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts Hi, this is Kim Shea, your co-host for this episode of Alternative Health Tools, coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. And today I am speaking with Jake Steiner. He's the founder of EndMyopia.org, and it's a fascinating company that he's got, and talking about how to work with myopia, astigmatism, people are just having a lot of screen time, it sounds like, and I'm eager to hear how this all works. And let's get started. Just to let you know, because I think it's interesting, uh, where I'm calling from right now, it is 6 p.m. on Saturday, January 16th, and Jake is in the future. It is Sunday, (laughs) January 17th at 9 a.m. in the morning. And uh, he doesn't know the lottery numbers. That's a bummer. So welcome, Jake.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, Tell me about yourself, how you got into the study of myopia and how to correct it.
1: Well, the story is actually a little bit strange because I'm an investor and stock trader or used to be mostly retired now. I had really high myopia. So myopia is short-sightedness. Can't see clearly at a distance. And I was wearing quite thick glasses. For reference, if I put my glasses down, I wouldn't be able to find them again just couldn't see at all without glasses. And uh, I reached a point somewhere in my twenties where with those strong glasses, I still couldn't make out things at a distance. I was waiting for a taxi in the evening one night and they have little lights on them. I couldn't tell whether the light was red or green anymore because it was just too small. So I went to the optometrist and asked what was going on. And they just said, I need stronger glasses. And at that point I was looking at my glasses that were already so thick and, I didn't want even stronger glasses. And I asked why now, like at my age, at later twenties or so, how can my eyes still be getting worse? And they said, it's genetic. And being in a business where I do a lot of analysis of things and understanding what makes sense and what doesn't, the the idea that it's genetic just doesn't make sense, right? Like when did this happen? And do all of us have this sudden genetic flaw? And I started doing a bunch of research and fast forward I mean, 20 years later now, basically reversed all of my myopia of natural 2020 eyesight, didn't use any LASIK or eye exercises, any of those things. And now myopia.org, a fairly large following of people who have done or are doing the same thing.
0: That's amazing. And I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong. I thought it was myopia, but you're saying myopia. So
1: Who knows? I'm German and I speak a few languages and my English is not flawless and people always correct me and there's disagreement, but myopia is fine.
0: Okay. So like I have contact lenses that I wear and my numbers are like negative five and negative 5.5. What numbers were you starting with?
1: Minus five. So I was I actually minus 4.5, 4.75, but they said I needed minus five. Okay. So we have the same, okay. same eyesight or had.
0: Yeah. You're in the yes. future. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. So tell me about it. Can you explain what Myopia, myopia is.
1: So short sightedness, retail optometry will tell you it's genetic. And the way you personally wound up with those minus five diopters is you started out with very low diopters. I'm going to be the fortune teller right now. I can tell you past. You started out with a minus one point something, most likely. At some younger point in your life, you're reading a lot, school, homework. At least this is the case for most people. Your parents take you to the optometrist. You go to the optometrist. They say, "Hey, you need glasses, corrective lenses, right?" And then you start wearing those. And then you come back a year or two later, and then you need stronger ones. And every time you come back, you get stronger ones. That is the course that takes place for everyone now. Contact Lens is a little bit different profit model than glasses, but not so dissimilar. A pair of glasses, the lenses and glasses, cost the optometrists anywhere from 2 to $5, the optometrist. Mm. And they sell them to you for just whatever amounts of profit they can make. Like a 5,000% markup is pretty standard. So there's a huge amount of profit. It's a $100 billion a year industry that thrives on you walking into the shop You can't see quite clearly at a distance, but you're still all right. And they go, hey, you have a genetic condition. You need a prescription. People don't think about this, but they call those things prescriptions. They're clear curved pieces of plastic, right? Like there's no, the only thing that made those things prescriptions is millions of dollars in lobbying in lots of other countries, including the one I'm at. You can just go buy glasses wherever, and you can tell them the adopt the numbers you want, and they're going to sell those to you. In the U.S. and various Western countries, they're prescriptions because they're protecting their profits and their business model. But basically, that's how you ended up with minus five. Do you want to know how that works? The magic. Yeah, I just of want to the- know
0: what is actually happening in the so eye, what happens, if you know that.
1: I do know that. And they know that and everybody, well, everybody who's explored this, read a biology book can find this out. So what happens The eye has a lens in it that focuses the light. The lens is in the front of the ball of the eye. And in the back of the eye is a thing called retina that processes the visual information, right? The lens focuses the light onto the retina. And the way it does that is with a circular muscle around it that contracts for close vision and relaxes for distance vision. It's really cool. It's it's called the ciliary muscle. It just contracts that lens and it shapes that lens from flat to curved that is okay. like a focusing system in a camera, basically. What happens if you look at a book or a close-up object for extended periods of time, that muscle stays in that locked up tight position to keep the lens shaped for close-up vision. And if you do that for long enough, the muscle doesn't completely relax right away. It's a muscle spasm. For reference, I love Google googlescholar.google.com. Gives you only search results for clinical studies, peer reviewed science journals. So no general internet, but actual scientific research. scholar.google.com. Fantastic for that. If you type pseudo myopia into Google Scholar, P S E O D O, meaning pseudo meaning not real, you're going to get tens of thousands of search results that describe what I'm just telling you about now. That muscle just spasms. So you lose your distance vision temporarily because of a muscle spasm. The muscle is basically stuck in close-up vision, right? And uh, there's another term for that that's pretty common. It's called near-induced transient myopia. In typical scientist fashion, they make it sound complicated, but Mm -hmm. near-induced, like caused by near vision, transient meaning it'll go away on its own, and myopia. So near-induced transient myopia, if you type that into Google Scholar, again, tens of thousands of search results. And those results are all citing peer-reviewed clinical studies. No general internet, no conspiracy theories, just straight biology science. Muscle stuck. And this is, when you look at what these journals are, they're optometry and ophthalmology journals. So these are the, the publications written for and by the people who sell you glasses. It is fascinating, fascinating. It literally, they say, okay, this is just a muscle spasm. So the course of treatment of lenses doesn't address the muscle spasm. What would address the muscle spasm is going outside, right? Like if you told kids, first time you went to the optometrist, if they would have prescribed you a weekend of camping and then keeping the book further away from yourself, you would have never ended up with corrective lenses. But it's a $100 billion business a year, right? So
0: Fascinating. So tell me about what you do then. What does your organization do?
1: We troll retail optometry as hard as possible. (laughs) Basically, we talk about the biological, this reality, the conversation that you and I are having right now. I want people to have a choice, right? Wear glasses if you want, but the first time you walk into an optometrist and tell you you have a curious genetic condition that requires you to wear glasses, I want you to be able to find an alternative answer. If McDonald's sells you a burger and you know it's not good for you, but you eat it anyway, great. That's your choice. But optometry is in a place right now where they tell you that you're broken and you need their stuff. And I disagree with that. And I have a personal problem with that because I was stuck behind glasses and I feel that it's a huge disservice to the people in general, even though I understand that it's, this is created. This monster is just created by money, basically. But all I want is for people when they go online and search or they listen to your podcast, that they become aware of, I, I can wear glasses, but it's just a quick fix, and I accept it or I don't. Okay. That's basically, that's the motive here. And because there's a second half to the story of the glasses, the first is the pseudomyopia. But then the much more interesting part is if you t- go to Google Scholar and you type in lens, induced myopia lens induced so caused the lenses, the glasses and induced meaning created by again tens of thousands of search results all referencing clinical studies showing that the glasses that the retail optometrist sells you actually cause your eyesight to get worse so to me this is when i found this i was just i couldn't believe it That they literally in optometry journals, the publications written for and by optometrists tell you specifically that glasses will cause more myopia. It is, it's just unbelievable. Imagine a treatment that you go to a so called doctor for, nothing against doctors, but optometrists usually aren't, and they say this is a prescription and you have a genetic condition and you need this, full well knowing that prescription that that treatment for the condition will cause more of the condition.
0: It doesn't make any sense.
1: It's shocking. And it sounds like otherwise there's a lot of things that there are alternative health ideas and treatments and things that range in a realm of very likely to far-fetched and maybe. But this is straight up. An optometry journal, you open it up and it will literally say the, the products that we sell, the thing that we call treatment will cause more of the condition. It's just
0: Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You have cancer, we've got this treatment. It's gonna <laughs> give gonna you can- more cancer. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so, to, yeah, it's and it's literally what it does. So you you're basically buying a subscription to your eyesight. As soon as you set foot in that store and as soon as they sell you your first classes, you will continue to have great clear distance vision, but only as long as you pay them. And, and that's to me, that's just, I normally don't care that much. I'm not really, I joke about hippies and things. I'm not right, whatever, but I'm not really that liberal or that bleeding heart or trying to save humanity. But this is just personally upsetting to me. And I would have dropped it. I would have dropped it 15 years ago. But when I went to the optometrist and my eyes had significantly improved and they told me that that was just a mistake, an error. And then when I showed them, the science, like I literally printed things out and I took, like, I was excited. I was in a positive state of mind. And they told me, I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't have a degree. I wasn't qualified. Mm -hmm. And the extreme negativity and arrogance from them got me into this space where I'm going to talk about this. And the more I started talking about it, the more negative feedback I got from that industry and the more I kept talking about it. And now it's transformed into this thing where, There's hundreds of thousands of people are doing this. The site last year had 1.2 million regular visitors. We have a Facebook group that has almost 20,000 members. It's spread, right? Like it's become a thing. And, and really my goal is just for you to go. If you go to McDonald's, you know, the burger's bad. If you put on glasses, you realize it's a quick fix that happens because you spend too much time in front of screens.
0: It makes sense uh, what you're saying. I mean, the same thing happens like with muscle use too. If you maybe start using something, maybe like a wheelchair that you might not need, but if you sat in all the time, your muscles are going to get weaker. So it makes sense what you're saying. So how did you improve your vision? Is this something that you did research on or did you just start experimenting on yourself?
1: So biology is really fascinating when, when it comes to eyesight because everything is laid out very clearly. And again, I come, I come from a research background. So I like data and I like things that you can understand why what's going on and what's happening with the eye, this lens induced myopia that where the lens causes more of the poor eyesight is the eyeballs elongating and it's not growing. It's adjusting its shape and there is a mechanism built into the eye to continually adjust its shape. It does that through your whole life. And there are studies that are measuring the impact of lens use. Within an hour, the, the eyeball has elongated. You put a lens in front of the eye that can measure the, the axial length change of the eye within an hour. So hmm. the eyeball is the sphere that's never perfect. It's filled with liquid and it's just by its design cannot be perfect. So the biology built in a mechanism to continually readjust it. And it's based on where the light hits the retina in the back of the eye. The mechanism gets kind of complicated, but basically it's just, it checks, does the light hit the right spot? And if the light hits a little bit before the retina, it'll shorten itself. And if the light hits a little bit behind the retina, it'll elongate itself. Just microns, like tiny, tiny amounts, does it all the time. If you put a lens in front of the eye, the lens's job is to move the light further back in your eye. Because the muscle spasm causes the light to stop here. You need the light to go a little further. The lens moves the light a little bit further. Quick fix is done. But the side effect is that light having been moved back by the lens, now the eyeball thinks it's too short and it elongates. It's called axial elongation. So perfectly healthy eye, no genetic condition. is just adjusting itself because it doesn't know about lenses. It just goes, whoops, for some reason I'm too short and it elongates. And that the way your vision got worse and worse is it adjusted itself to the first minus one diopter. And then you went, and then your vision wasn't that great again, because it it adjusted. Now you go back to the optometrist, now they give you minus two or minus 1.5. And then in the following year, the eye goes, well, I'm still too short. And it elongates again. Now, when I figured this out, and I didn't figure out anything, I just read the book Right. That the eyeball adjusts itself. And this is a continual mechanism. And there's studies on fish and birds and chickens and humans and monkeys. Anything that has this type of eye has the same mechanism. And human studies included axial change is measured. So my theory was if this happens, I just need less diopter glasses instead of wearing minus five, you wear minus four. And eventually the eye should go, well, well this, the signal is not on the retina and it'll shorten itself. And it does. I mean, the the reason that somebody like me is not incredibly popular besides, right, not being that charismatic or fascinating is this makes no money. Because what I'm saying is just, slowly start reducing the strength of your glasses and your eye will adjust the same way to adjust it to the increasing amount of glasses. And that's how it works. I'm I'm oversimplifying because there's a million little details and stuff, but basically you slowly start reducing the power of your glasses and your eyeballs will shorten and your vision will go back to where it started at.
0: But it's more complicated than that, right? Or more involved because you have several different programs which look like they're all full. There's waiting lists for everything that you have, which is a testament to how popular it is. But it takes time, it sounds like, in order to get to this point. And there's an instruction that people can benefit from.
1: Yes. The thing is, I put everything out for free. There's like over 1,200 mm-hmm. how-to guides and articles and the Facebook group and we have a forum and a terrible YouTube channel. So there's no need to... Mm-hmm buy anything from me it takes a little bit of time because the way i present it is explaining everything people sometimes go i just want the steps but the steps is how you got in trouble in the first place you know mm-hmm. what i mean like understanding a little tiny bit of the biology and how lenses work and then being able to check your own eyesight which is not that difficult so you can figure out if you need minus five doctors. we even have a phone app now that can do it for you to just hold in front of your face And depending Mm. on where you start to see blur, it tells you how many doctors you need. So you are going to spend, I say it's like taking a university class. Like you might spend, or it's it's actually a lot easier. Like you spend a month or two, Mm. a half hour in the evening reading stuff and you put the pieces together yourself and you can measure your eyesight and you can slowly reduce the strength of your glasses. The reason it's a little bit more involved because close up, you need lower power glasses and distance. For example, you should never wear those minus fives while you look at a screen. Like that is really straining that muscle,
0: hmm. right?
1: So you should be wearing some plus lenses over the contact lenses or wearing just lower correction glasses. Your eyes would be so much happier, right? So that's the first little additional complexity. You need two pairs of glasses, really one for close up and one for distance. Okay. And then, when you reduce and how often reduce and if you have a stigmatism, another little project. So it ends up being, it's like saying, how do you get stronger? You go to the gym and lift weights, right? Like the level of conversation we're having is basically that. You lift weights and then you lift progressively heavier weights and you keep getting stronger. It's the same thing, right? But when you get into the detail of which machines and how often do I go and what kind of food do I eat, you can get down fairly nitty gritty. But people have, like when I started, I knew nothing else. I just wore lower power glasses and eventually my side improved. It was just a long and hard way to do it.
0: So you're more like a personal trainer for somebody. So yeah, I can go out and just do it myself. But if I've got you or a group or something like that, then I can get more details and get a little more finely tuned to what I need.
1: And so the course thing, I really don't push a lot because... I make my money elsewhere. I like to do a certain amount of it because it inspires a lot of the free content. Because I'm working with a group of people. I'm finding out what works, what doesn't work. And over the years, it's become a pretty fine-tuned, just like a class, right? There's okay. like 80 somewhat sessions in there where we go through all the details. But based on those, I'm figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And then I put that into the free content. So while in the free content, you're digging around a little bit by yourself, you're putting it together yourself. It's entirely functional. And my goal is for me to not be the coach, but rather for you to just be able to go on this and figure it out by yourself. Okay. Because I'm not trying to hold this hostage. I want the information to be out there and I want for people to be able to go, this is how the biology works. And A fair amount of podcasts I've been on and a fair amount of conversations I've had, I found that a lot of other things about biology are very similar, right? Like it's just the empowerment of understanding how the thing works and then how to address shortcomings with it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just, I want to be part of that general, hey, we figured something out. I'm happy to share this particular piece of it.
0: Well, it's really cool. And you know, this is alternative health tools. We've been around for a long time and we understand that sometimes there are, Well, a lot of times there's non-conventional ways of taking care of your health. And so we all may have grown up learning one thing, but there are other things. So that's what we want to know about. And so I think this is really interesting that you're doing this and bringing the awareness for all of us so we can understand there's a possibility of bettering our eyesight. You have a quiz on your site, right? And so people can go on there and find out if this is likely to work for them.
1: Yeah, the quiz and the the quiz is a little tiny, almost bit of a gimmick. I was getting really consistently, I get certain kinds of questions. And one of them is, does this work for me? And the quiz, basically, it goes through all the things that you should ask yourself. Do I spend a lot of time in front of books? Do I have always been wearing glasses? Have my glasses been getting stronger over time? And then you go through the quiz. And in the end, based on the amount of doctors you have, it will show you the progress reports of other people who have started where you are and have improved. And it's in their own words. And we have podcast episodes and feedback from them directly. So you can start reading through what happened with these people intended as a bit of motivation for you to start digging into this deeper, because I realized the first time you visit Enmiopia, it sounds like a great many things that may or may not be possible. Like we have to admit the internet is full of what I call unicorn farming. So when you first stumble on this, you go, oh boy, you know, another wishful thinking thing. So I try to find ways to get people interested long enough to dig into the realities of what's happening with the biology. And this is actually something that could work.
0: And I like how you've explained everything too. Like I could completely understand what you're talking about. It all makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure that's very reassuring to people that this isn't something wacky and way out there. It's yeah. Here's a science. It's really basic.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, and now, especially my motivation has changed over the years, but now the last number of years has turned into, I get emails from parents with kids every day, every day, every day, every day. And it used to be once a week. Like 10 years ago, it was like once in a while. Now it is every day. Parents are going, my five-year-old, my seven-year-old, my four-year-old, been to the optometrist, just need glasses. And it's just, iPads become a babysitter. So the Hmm. same thing that we just talked about happens now. Instead of happening at 12, it happens at four.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. It's Hmm. alarming. It's sad. It's terrifying. You put glasses on a five-year-old, you know, that's it. And the problem is with glasses. So there's a whole other range of topics like with glasses, the way you interact with your environment is totally different because you only see clearly through the middle of the lenses instead of like when you wear contact lenses, you have a full field of vision, but somebody who wears glasses has a central fixation where they just look at you and instead of moving the eyes they move their neck. So they seem odd. Like their personality expresses oddly, especially in young children, like not ideal, right? Because then you get odd feedback from others. Your motor skill development is going to be weird if you don't have peripheral vision, right? Because your visual cortex, that part of your brain that processes visual signals says something is totally wrong here because Mm. all of this isn't working. So now the kid is awkward and shy and timid and moving slowly and fine motor control is not working correctly, right? So posture develops completely different People with glasses have their neck sticking out more than usual. Walking always means looking at the ground because again, you don't have peripheral vision. So glasses affect so much of, of you as a person and your interaction with the world. And when you multiply this by a young child, I think it's a huge tragedy that we're not having more conversations about iPads aren't babysitters and lenses are not the first treatment option for a child
0: yeah I saw you have specifically information on children on your website,
1: yeah, and that's just because children and adults same thing technically, the eye is the same thing, but freaked out parents is the number one thing that happens, and it really like some days I just dread opening my email because mm. they're scared. they went to the optometrist and they being told genetic condition it's just wrong right because it's not a genetic condition it's the answer is iPad's not a babysitter. You see a, a baby in a stroller holding onto a phone and baby arms are incredibly short. So that phone is few inches, centimeters from their face. No good, just no good.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: this happened before, like there was an age where people would give babies alcohol to sleep, right? Before we knew better. So we are now in this time where this is new and parents don't realize and nobody tells them. And I've, I'd really feel that these things need to be out there to a point that at least you can make better decisions.
0: Yeah, and thank you for doing that. It's a big service. You Ask talked kids. about LASIK. I know you you have something that would be a group just for people who've had LASIK, and now are maybe needing an adjustment afterwards with their vision. If someone was doing what you did before they ever got to LASIK, would they possibly not need it?
1: They would definitely not need it. Okay, they would a hundred percent, absolutely not need it. And by the way, if somebody's considering LASIK. Type Morris Waxler into Google and see what happens. Morris Waxler, Dr. Morris Waxler, who was the head of the FDA group that got LASIK approved. He was the man. He was the man who put the stamp on LASIK saying the FDA says LASIK is fine. And see what he says now about LASIK. Okay, it is that'll not, be interesting. Pretty, yes.
0: No? Okay. <laughs> that'll be no, interesting.
1: It isn't. Wow. Yeah, so, and side effects, LASIK complications, that website, it is... An incredibly risky elective procedure because if something doesn't work out right, like you suddenly have dry eyes or you see sunbursts, starbursts, like something's wrong with it, not correctable. Like people have extreme dry eyes in some cases. That flap never heals completely. There's a lot of things that happen that cannot be fixed later. Mm -hmm. Right, So doing LASIK is one of those things where – I've heard the sales pitches and they're definitely not, even the FDA website themselves has the list of side effects and the risk potential for them, percentages. They are amazingly high. Mm-hmm. So before somebody does LASIK, it's worth to really think about there's a price for everything. And, and LASIK works out fine for a lot of people, but if it doesn't, you're really stuck with a potentially bad situation.
0: Yeah, I know somebody who had it and then she had double vision afterwards following the procedure, and she wears glasses to this day. It's always scared me. I've never wanted to have it. But I can see the attraction. You just want to be able to see normally again. But this sounds maybe a little bit easier. Your your program and, 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 sounds easier.
1: The thing is, it's, it's like getting into a new thing that shows you a new side of yourself and allows you to discover stuff. Because a year from now, you'd be at minus four. And mm-hmm. at minus four the world looks physically larger. Like when you take glasses and you move them a little bit further from your eyes, you see how everything in the lens is much, much smaller
0: because mm-hmm.
1: that's how minus lenses work They make things smaller. Also clear, but smaller, everything looks larger in minus four than minus five. There's also less visual distortion. The image is nicer. It's like you're upgrading your eyesight. And if you can get to them from minus five to minus four, then you can get to, no glasses, because the process for every doctor is the same. So many people describe the sense of achievement and elation and just the empowerment of having gone adopter lower is kind of intoxicating. You're like, I don't have this. Like you built it into your psyche that your eyes are just not great, which kind of internalizes something in you like, that you're just not quite right. Mm-hmm. And you go from a minus five to a minus four, you're like, huh. Really, none of this is actually true. And it, it starts to relate to your to your practices and your habits and how you look at things around you and measuring your eyesight. And a year later, you get minus three. And at minus three, you can find your glasses when you put them down. So it's like a project that is not just improving eyesight, but you actually go, what else is possible? I've had so many really fun stories from people that have picked up like flying powered weird airplanes and things that are just so out there that came from looking for hobbies that empowered more distance vision because the more time you spend looking at distance, the better your eyes get. And so you start a little quest for finding hobbies that enable that. I see. Yeah. So many interesting things come out of it. So I feel like so many times people don't realize that while it's an investment of time and effort, you get a lot out of that process of, I don't need glasses
0: and you're pulling yourself away from your screen or your book and you're getting it out there. It sounds like you're being forced to get out of that and get out in the world and enjoy other things. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool side effect.
1: It is a neat, especially now where we're all getting super screen addicted. It's nice Mm -hmm. to go, huh, I need to find other things to do.
0: Yeah, like bird watching or whatever. I think it's wonderful. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to look into this more for myself. Yeah, so how long do you think it's like a year per diopter?
1: About a year per diopter. It's like in the beginning, in the first 90 days, you might drop as much as one diopter, which is why random like eyesight, Bates method, vision improvement things get people excited because you might be overcorrected and your ciliary may have a spasm in it now. And once you learn how to focus properly, often, I'm not promising this, but fairly commonly, you might get to a minus four, three months from now, possible, I'm not saying definite, but possible from there. It's about adopt a year, maybe a little bit less like 0.75, but every three to four months, you should be able to make a reduction. Quote adopt every three to four months is normal. And it's also a great way to double check that you have good habits. If you're spending too much time in front of screens, if you're not going outside enough, In four months, you're not ready to reduce. It's also a good reminder to go, hey, I'm not, what am I doing with my life? Like, did all those Netflix hours really help or should (laughs) I just go find something to do? But if you have good habits, every three to four months, you go back to the optometrist or back online to buy lowered optic glasses or contact lenses.
0: Okay, so we would need to be going to the optometrist more frequently or just buy some glasses or buy them online. Okay. That are lower. Okay.
1: Because the prices, I mean, online, you go to or one of those sites, a pair of glasses, a nice pair of glasses is maybe $20, mm-hmm. you know, that the optometrist will get, try to get 120 from you for. I'm all for supporting local businesses. I've bought all my glasses from local optometrists. The trick there being is you walk in and you go, hey, when I'm in front of the computer, these glasses give me headaches. Will you give me lower ones? I lost my old ones. That kind of, just to find out if they're open to giving you low adopters. okay, And and if they are, coffee and donuts and tell them you're on a weird little journey. And if they would indulge you and give you a bit of a discount on, you're going to buy a lot of classes from them. Some of them do, some of them don't. But in the Facebook group, there's a ton of stories from people who found friendly optometrists who are supportive of this. You don't want to necessarily overwhelm them with our far out stories because it's like it's in conflict in what they are taught to sure. believe and what they have to believe in order to make money. So if you just go in there and be like, "Ah, oh, headaches, computer glasses, blah. And if they do it for you, if they give you a good enough deal, you're supporting a local business. You can try on frames They tend to work out better than buying stuff online, but it's just a question of, is it feasible and what does it cost?
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. And I get that too. I have a son who's in PA school, physician's assistant school. And so I'm always learning all these things that are really interesting. And he's like, no, that's not how it works because he's being taught the conventional way and this is what he understands. So when I bring something up, I try and bring it up kind of casually, gently, instead of let me force this down your throat. And so I can see if you went into your optometrist, you probably want to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're not trying to convince them of of a different thing. You're just trying to get glasses.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the groups would have all these tips.
1: A lot of these things are figured out by other people. Like, I'm Hmm. no genius. I figured out this super basic, I read the biology book, and I improved my sight. And then slowly over the years, feedback from friends, and then feedback from friends of friends, and then feedback from random people, and now feedback from the internet is directing what goes on. I call myself the librarian. I'm just mm-hmm. organizing the information that, that people in general figure out. All of this classes by.
0: Well, you have so many people. When I looked at your website in all of your groups, it's really impressive how many people believe in this and it's working for them, clearly.
1: It's so it's odd. a great mission. It's a weird one because I didn't really picture myself as this person. And it's also odd that this hasn't been out there, right? Because I'm literally quoting ophthalmology journals. It's very strange when uh, Elon Musk talks about how we live in a simulation, that's sometimes what it seems like because it's, this should just be, it's an optometrist journal, like that stuff should just be stuff they tell you and then go, well, you can still buy glasses, but but it's not, just the fact that it's not common knowledge is amazing.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure you know this is existing in many areas of our health. There's a lot of things that a lot of people know but not as many as you wish knew so yeah it, it takes time to get it out there
1: i'm finding that out because yeah. i used to not really do podcast things but now that i've been on podcasts i some have really specific areas i'm fascinated and just real things that are clearly real things that i never knew about health you know it's just shocking yeah. but it's cool Well,
0: it's nice to have somebody like you who's got something to share that we can all benefit from all over the world. And I'm happy to be able to talk to you about it.
1: I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah. Do you have anything else you want us to know about or that I missed?
1: I think that kind of tells the beginning part of the story for somebody who wants to go digging around. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we will have in our show notes that people can go to endmyopia.org, and they can get a lot of information from your website. Awesome. And I'm hoping the next time I see you, I have less diopters in my prescriptions.
1: Yes, and by the way, I call them subscriptions instead of prescriptions.
0: Subscriptions, I like that. You're yeah. the librarian, so yeah.
1: It puts your mind in a different frame. You're not a patient, right? Yeah. This is a subscription. It's not really... Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Well, Jake Steiner, thank you so much for coming on to talk to us this evening here, nighttime or morning where you are. You're just getting started on your Sunday. My dog's whining in the background. So, For those of you who've been listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Alternative Health Tools. And you can catch our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. And consider coming by alternativehealthtools.com and leave us an audio message. There's a button on there that you could just press and leave us a voicemail, basically, with questions or feedback or just to say hi. So thank you, Jake, for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Produced by Heard Not Seen Media. Visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.